can turkey, one can stuffing, one pouch mashed potatoes, one can cranberry sauce, a can of corn, a bottle of cheap champagne, half a bottle of gin, half pack of smokes, and a single large bowl and a spoon. One cast iron pot. Well, I guess it all comes mostly cooked. I throw it all in there with that box of broth, I suppose I've got Thanksgiving done. A bit early, but I guess it doesn't matter. Wonder if it'll stop raining long enough for me to get a few calls out on the radio. Oh, oh it's you. Look, uh, I don't really have anything cooking here you're gonna want. The horror that's about to issue forth from that pot of boiling stuff is... Well, it's edible. Just. Trick-or-treat is over, by the way. Ah, you, you do that. Of course you did. You're here for a different reason. Something boiling in the back of that head of yours, just like my food. Just like my food, damn it! Alright, more of a paste, but still salvageable. I'll get back to that once we're done. Go ahead and have a seat. We're about to up stakes again and move to a new location. Going to have to add a week to the normal speech from here on out. You know how it goes. Maybe. Either way, you came here for help. Need a hook to pull that thing out of there. To get you writing it down. Remember the rules? No? Alright, listen up. You've got a little under three weeks to get that writhing mass, that dark, brooding tangle of thoughts out of you and onto the page, as it were. It needs to be at least 3,000 words, and you need to share it out, either to me via email or the world at large. If it comes to me, I'm going to read it out loud on one of these microphones. Hard to say where they go, but that's just the way of things. Do this and you'll feel better. You'll be free of the dark for a while, but eventually you'll need to come back and see me again. Them's the rules. Now the hook. Listen good. Tell us a story of debts. Tell us a story of travel. Tell us a story of both. A man travels through the city on his way home to his family and friends. He stands to watch a street performer, laughs and claps with the rest of the crowd. When the time comes to pay the performer, they all walk away, money destined for treasures for their own gift. The traveler laughs at the performer's plight, not noticing the darkness in their eyes or the almost feral grin across their face. A few coins would have stopped the bloodshed. It's all you now. You know what to do. But in the meantime, I've got a story from the last time you visited. The story of a storm. The storm came on fast. The world going from noon to midnight in a blink. Thunder rolled out over the fields, slapping against the mountains to the west. And any plans Sandy had for some time amongst her rows is gone. She put down her pruners. Frowning at the wall of clouds bearing down on her, she collected her tools and made for the shed. She had been putting this off for more than a week, and was angry at her knee for telling her that the storm was for the best. The early ache promising worse if she had gone through with the yard work. 
Closing the shed, she eyed the clouds and changing conditions and decided to head inside to finish a book. She scanned the porch, making sure there was nothing else that needed a rescue from the oncoming wind and probable rain. When it did come down on this side of the mountains, it was always serious. Sheets of the stuff could easily carry away forgotten items, and if you were out in the fields, it would play hell with your ability to get indoors before you got soaked through with the mud forming thick and fast. At the very least, tornadoes weren't often a thing. From the porch, her wind chimes began to tinkle and clatter, twisting in the breeze. It carried with it the smell of sweet grass and cattle, faintly her roses, but no rain. With a sigh, she went through the door to the kitchen, tossing her gloves haphazardly on the counter and kicking her shoes over towards the door. She went to the sink and rinsed her hands. Then it was into the cabinet for a glass and the bottle of half-finished red she had been working on the day before. She didn't quite know why she kept trying the wine. In the end, it tasted like bittersweet dirt. It just seemed like a thing she was meant to do. The whiskey further back in her cabinet called to her a bit more, but she ignored it. Maybe after the book, she thought. She paused at the windows in the living room. They opened out to the long drive, providing a sweeping view of the rolling hills full of tall grass and spotted with livestock. Beyond was a creek, meandering along towards town. Looking down the dirt track maybe a mile or so was Frank Hall, her nearest neighbor. Several small pens, a barn, and a two-story home on a nice patch of land. Further on down the track, maybe another mile, was the county road into town. And if she squinted, she could just make out the water tower squatting just over the trees. Trees which clumped around the landscape, mostly around the small creek that ran down from the mountains and further out into the prairie. Looking east, it was all high plains stretching off towards the agricultural work farms run by the state universities. She had worked a few over her college years. It was, to her, part of the allure to this side of the mountains. It was exactly the kind of place you either lived in all your life, or you moved to when you were done with the rest of the world for a while. Everyone knew everyone else's name, if not their entire story. Except for the migratory college students that came through, or let houses in town while working the agri-farms. She had the slight benefit of having grown up here before making her break out to the big city and urban sprawl of the western half of the state. Stephen, the sheriff, Danny and Bill, his deputies, were all high school friends as was Michael, the grocery manager, and Ted, the town's only general practitioning doctor, who had done everything from talker through bits of puberty to set broken bones from biking and horse riding mishaps. Comfortable in a way, but also a slight shame. She had been the one to leave, and had done well out in the wider world. But she had also come back. Hard to reconcile the hurt feelings with those left behind, but the friendships were hearty, and it hadn't taken long for everyone to start talking again. Thunder rolled overhead, and the streetlights she could see in town flashed before disappearing in the murk, pulling her back to the present. The afternoon sun backlighting the roiling clouds as they passed. Sandy guessed it was going to be hail. The last she could make out of the town were the trees starting to wave in the wind before they too were eaten by the gloom. She sat then and picked up the book she had come inside to read flipped the remote switch for her lamps and set about trying to shake the disappointment of the afternoon. From somewhere out in the growing dark came another clap of thunder. Something odd about it. Like a ripple, but coming down. The eastern windows of her house shook, and a purple light left the ghost of an image, a tail streaking down towards the fields at the other side of town, she guessed. 
The afterimage of the tail faded as the clouds continued to flow down out of the mountains to the west. She hunkered down into the couch a bit further, becoming increasingly agitated. Her teeth sat on edge and the book's chances of salvaging the afternoon dissipated. Sipping at the wine, she looked out the windows again, unable to focus on the book. The fields had taken on the purple-green bruise of the sky, and from somewhere out in the murk came smaller cracks. Her windows plinked with each like someone was throwing small pebbles at them. Sandy frowned and looked towards Frank's place. With the progression of the storm, she could just make out the large residence. The struggling single lights over the shed and barn just managing to throw out their harsh green and orange light. From what Sandy thought was the second story of Frank's home, she saw several flashes, accompanied seconds later by the plinking sounds. The connection between the collapse and the plinking windows took a moment, but when it solidified, Sandy dropped her book. Her heart beginning to race, she began to squint in an effort to make out more of what was going on. She couldn't discern any other movement, but it looked like Frank was shooting, either out his windows or at something inside with him. What the fuck? She breathed. She froze. Torn between grabbing her binoculars and scrambling for the phone to try and get a hold of Frank, to see if he would pick up and tell her what was going on. The phone won out. She pressed the handset to her ear and it rang while the cracks and flashes continued. Slower now, methodical. They paused as the line connected. Sandy! Frank bellowed. Sandy, get out of there! Frank, what the hell is going... Get into town or head over the Forest Service Road and try going south. Loud bangs and small shrill screams bled through the handset then the cracks from outside. Try to move fast, and if they come for you, shut down your vehicle and try and stay low. More bangs and the line went dead, the cracks outside stopping. Sandy put the phone down, still looking off towards Frank's. She couldn't make out details. There was nothing outside but the thunder and the glow. Her car was by the shed, nose out and ready to go whenever she needed to trek down to town or over the mountains. Frank had told her to run. She wasn't sure why. She sure as hell wasn't going to run from something without knowing what it was, not unless there was a good cause. The wind seemed to be picking up, coming on as a shrill, swelling howl. Making her way through the house to the basement with no idea what was going on, she was agitated. She stormed down the stairs, her knee no happier for the rapid movement. She would call the sheriff... Tell Stephen what she had seen and heard and wait down in the basement with her security monitors and shotgun. She had lost count of how many shots Frank had fired, but it was certainly more than a magazine worth. Whatever he was dealing with hadn't stopped by the amount of fire. Her thoughts went back to the car. Maybe she would call Stephen and head down to see what she could do to help. From above, another rattling boom, shaking the house. Fuck! She shouted, her nerves fraying. Too many things were going on, too many things that felt off. Shrill howls came from outside as if to punctuate the thought. They seemed to be a ways off, but they certainly weren't the wind, and they were growing closer. Moving in an organic fashion. Warbling down the stairs to her. She had enough, needed something solid in her hands, something to balance the fear and give her a tangible tool against the anxiety building in her chest. From above the workbench, she pulled her shotgun off its wall rack, feeding it shells as she spun up her security monitors. Next up was the phone, just next to the line of boxy televisions. 
Grabbing it in her free hand, she dialed 911. A busy signal. She growled through clenched jaw and dialed again, and again until it rang through. Sheriff's office. Came Stephen's tired voice. The small town was generally sleepy enough, but when the weather kicked up, or anything out of the ordinary happened, people tended to lose a bit of their cool. This was most likely a prime example of one of those times, but Sandy wasn't in a good enough space to cut Stephen slack. Bad things were going on next door. Stephen, the fuck is going on? She shouted at her handset. Sandy, what do you mean? He had pulled the handset away from his face, away from her shout. Something is happening at Frank's. He was screaming. There were a ton of shots. What? The fatigue in his voice gone. Sandy, did you say Frank's place? You doing some target shooting out in that? No, Stephen. Something bad is happening at Frank's. You need to get over there. Stephen rustled about. You sure he isn't doing some target shooting? Yes, Stephen, I'm fucking sure. He called me. Said I needed to get out of here. I'll get Danny and Bill and we'll head over and have a look. She could hear Stephen rustling about more, grabbing things off his desk and snapping his fingers at others. Stay put. We'll swing by after we check things out. Stephen, don't fuck around on this. Whatever's happening needed at least two mags to not happen. He grunted, the creak of his chair in the background. Just sit tight. Sandy's attention went to the monitors. Living alone had given her reason to install the security cameras, primarily for when she was away, but sometimes she just needed the extra security to sleep. Out here, away from suburbia and the city, things got spooky. Sudden flashes of fear and anxiety were not uncommon. And any other time, and it was something to feel silly about. Often Sandy chalked it up to something like agoraphobia. All that big sky being so different from the closed-in buildings and trees of the western half of the state. Then there were the sounds. If it wasn't owls or coyotes, it was something else she would hear in the dark, and her brain would be up to no good for hours, conjuring images of everything from locals up to no good to monsters from every horror movie she had ever watched. Being able to play back the footage and catch a glimpse of a stray dog or coyote made her feel a bit better. But so far there was nothing. Nothing that could be making them mournful, maybe hungry, wails and howls she was still hearing from her position in the finished basement. She set the shotgun against the workbench the monitors were on and fumbled around in her sweater for her smokes. Something she didn't do often in the house, but this seemed like a good enough excuse. She lit up and took a slow, steadying drag. Her anxiousness abated by the nicotine's effects while she looked on the black and white screens before her. The coverage was good. Front, back, sides, and one over the shed looking down the drive to catch unknown vehicles and visitors. Every so often, she caught a glimpse of the lights on Frank's property, but they were smears and dots in the darkness. The infrared floodlight mounted with the camera, pushing its view about 200 yards with clarity. In the backyard, her rose garden swayed in the wind. She could hear the chimes clattering faintly with everything else. The front was empty, just the glow reflecting off the taillights of her car. Nothing on the sides, either. The wails and howls seemed to be moving off, almost towards town. Sandy frowned. She'd been here for a few years and hadn't heard anything like this before. Was it not wind? The hair on her arms and neck raised. What the hell would make a sound like that? A cougar? Did cougars move in packs or whatever? She shuddered at the direction her mind was going with this. 
She'd already assigned it life, as opposed to freak weather. But Frank had been shooting at something. He had screamed on the phone, and it certainly didn't sound like a prank, or that he was on a bender. Frank really wasn't that kind of guy. He'd been one of the first friends she'd made coming out here. All the better that he was a neighbor. He'd inherited the property, house, and livestock from his uncle. They had talked about it over stakes on her back porch. Frank's uncle had lived here all his life, but had never taken a family. And cancer ended up ending him, and he wanted to do right by the family and leave everything to one of his less fortunate brother's kids. Frank had been the favorite over a love of weird things and ham radios, so the whole lot went to Frank after his stint in the army. Frank had loved it for the space and freedom, and the calm pace of life this side of the mountains. He was his own boss, the only one making demands on his time apart from his animals. It was helpful for him while he got his head back in it. Sandy hadn't pressed him about what that might have meant. She got the impression he had seen and done things he didn't necessarily want to talk about. But Frank was together, and tough, and he had sounded scared. She took stock of the other monitors, still nothing around her house. Then she took stock of what she was doing and felt doubt beginning to creep in at the edges. Looking at the shotgun leaned up against the workbench, the smokes and the whiskey, maybe she had overreacted. Maybe whatever was happening at Frank's was unfortunate and scary, but not as bad as he had made it out on the phone. Maybe he was having a bad night, and his tone and the shooting had set her nerves off. But there had been some thing in the background of that call. She was sure of it. Flashing lights on the driveway monitor pulled her away from her remembrances. She couldn't see the cars, but could tell there were three of them by the way the blobs of lights moved. Stephen and his deputies Danny and Bill rolling to Frank's place. They came at speed, stopping here and there around Frank's buildings. She was frustrated that she couldn't really see what was going on, but at least there was something happening. As the minutes passed, though, Sandy could feel the doubt bleed away, replaced by the anxiousness from earlier. The cruisers hadn't moved, and the phone hadn't rang. She couldn't make out what was happening. God damn it, Stephen, the fuck is going on? She shouted, tossing the butt of her current smoke into the corner and lighting another as she grabbed the phone, dialing 911 again. Sheriff's office. It was Linda, one of the two deputies that remained in town. Linda, the hell is taking Stephen so long? He's been parked down at Frank's for damn near 20 minutes. Sandy shouted at the receiver. Her nerves were getting to her. Things weren't feeling right at all. Sandy, I'm not sure. Have you seen or heard anything else? Not a damn thing. Then Stephen's probably just talking with Frank, trying to figure out what's going on. There was a twinge of doubt in her tone. Look, we'll let you know what's going on just as soon as we know. Storm's getting pretty bad down here. Things are getting kind of busy. All right, just don't forget. Sandy hung up. She wasn't sure, but it looked like something had moved on the monitors. Somewhere between the shed and Frank's place, something had obscured some of the lights. She scanned the monitors again. Everything looked fine. Her roses were starting to move more, and she could hear the chimes clattering, but she couldn't hear the wails. Thunder above in the whole house clattered and shook. Her monitors frizzed for a moment, and a purple light seemed to push through around the seams of the door to the upstairs. The strike must have been in her yard. In its wake, the shrill howls and shrieks filled the air outside. Sandy's breathing hitched and she sputtered out a lungful of smoke she'd just downed. That hadn't been the wind. On the monitor, she saw someone run by the shed, heading towards Frank's place. Down the drive, she could just make out the person's shoulders. 
some type of poncho or coat fluttering about their knees. Sandy's mouth hung open. Not knees. The lights from Frank's place and the cruisers was unobscured by where the lower half of the person should have been. More whales whipped past her home and she could see a number of them making their way down. Some fast. Some almost lazily. She clapped a hand over her mouth as something bumped the house above. She couldn't reconcile what she was seeing. They, whatever the fuck they were, kept passing her place. Mostly at ground level, but some were bobbing 15 feet or so into the air before brushing the ground again and floating by. They looked somewhat human, or like they used to be, but they were missing legs or their lower halves, trailing organs behind and beyond them, orbiting their floating frames. Most screamed or appeared to be screaming. Some laughed, manic and wild, twirling organs on connective tissues. Some had flesh trailing behind them like capes. Thirty or more must have gone by, and by the shrieking and wails coming up from the back of her place, there was probably at least that many more on the way. From above, her wind chimes clattered to the porch, and on the monitor she saw one of the things turn and float back toward the backyard. Oh shit, no, no, she hissed. It stopped as a shudder of pops and cracks rippled up the drive from Frank's place. One of the cruisers tore out of the drive and rolled back towards town, followed a moment later by another. The last was stationary as more pops and cracks came from that direction. It sped up before slamming into the barn. The thing seemed to be thinking a moment, and with a howl and the flapping of its skin cloak, it joined its fellows down at Frank's. Oh shit, oh Jesus shit. Sandy was trying for the phone again, but the line had gone dead. Her power flickered as a distant buzzing thump sounded the end to a transformer. The sky briefly illuminated green, and her monitor showed the full extent of the problem as the light died down. There were easily a few hundred of the things, from the ground to an indeterminate height, all making their way down towards town. She tried the phone again, and still nothing. She needed to see needed to know if there were more of them nearby. She thought maybe if she left, she could go over to the Forest Service Road to the south, maybe make it over the hills and down to the gorge. It would take an hour or two of driving the track, but she had done it before. Thoughts of what was happening down at Frank's place gone, as she thought escape was the best option. It would be east or west to the cities and help when she got down to the river. Whoever or whatever help might be, but the resolve she'd had earlier was collapsing as new bits of information were gained. The lights cut out then, her monitors casting the only illumination. From the countertop, she grabbed her binoculars. Meant for stars and planets, they were a bit bulky but had a wide field of view, and should keep things visible thanks to the coatings designed to enhance the night sky. Shotgun in her free hand, Sandy made for the stairs, slowly. Trying not to make a noise, she went up despite the protests of her knee. She stopped at the door. As gently as she could, she eased the door open a crack, edging closer to look through the crack she had made. Beyond, she could see a greenish haze. She guessed that somewhere up there, the sun was still trying to fight its way through the early dark. It cast everything in an almost auroral glow, but didn't reveal any hidden threats. No people, no monsters, nothing but her empty home. She opened the door fully, keeping an eye out towards the kitchen windows just in case she was wrong. 
She set the shotgun against the counter and stepped over to the door, sliding into her shoes with a wiggle of her heel. Taking her keys from the counter, she crept into the living room, the need to remain silent all-consuming. Her guts twisted and rolled with a primal fear, unspent aggression and anxiety working against her. Stopping at the windows, she squinted out into the yard. She couldn't see anything close to the house, but even without the binoculars, Sandy could see the flames starting up in Frank's barn. The cruiser's lights sporadic and failing. She raised the binoculars to her eyes. They afforded her a slightly improved view. The barn was going up quick. In the light of the flames, she could make out dancing torsos, arms raised in twisted jubilation. From up here, she could make out the wails, which had taken on a tone of exaltation. They had to be loud. It was quiet out here, but they were still a mile off. She panned over to the house. She could see several of the things hanging out of the second-story windows, still. She was going. Sandy wasn't the bravest person in the world, but she wasn't going to sit here doing nothing if there was a chance that she could do something to help. Shoes, shotgun, phone, keys, and smokes, and she was at the door. Peeking through the curtains, she couldn't see a thing. So long as she was quiet on the way out, she figured the only thing that would be a problem would be starting the car. That would be when the things would home in on the noise. She would crank it and floor it down to Frank's place. She would know pretty quick if there was anything she could do. Shotgun in one hand pointing ahead of her, the other maneuvering the door as quietly as she could. One flat, measured step at a time, she was coming down off the porch. Around here, the air was still, the world quiet, like three feet of snow had fallen. Above, she heard a rustle, disturbing, wet, and she froze. One of the things flapped by, meaty smacks following in its wake as it sped off towards the fire. She got a look from the light above her car and hissed, fighting down bile while she fully registered the desiccated half-person she'd seen. More measured steps and it was time to negotiate keys. Years of wanting a newer car faded away with a profound sense of thankfulness that there was no beep or honk as the door unlocked. Carefully, the shotgun went across the seat and she crept in behind it. The door closed with a solid thunk. Keys in the ignition, and then she stopped. Off to her left, just on the outside of the circle of light, something had plopped. She turned her head slowly, teeth clenched so tight she thought they'd break, trying to prepare herself for the sickening image she was certain she was about to confront. Whispers. That's the best she could come up with. The thing, scrabbling at the dirt, trying to right itself, was issuing a ceaseless rush of whispers. Sandy couldn't make out the words. She kept getting hung up on the fact that it never paused. It seemed to simply issue the sounds forward and back. Inhale, exhale. It was still forming something. She groaned, a quiet, mindless noise, her guts tightening again with her proximity to the thing. Its head snapped in her direction. The noseless face and a rent jaw raised higher, tasting the air as it sought the sounds. Slowly, as carefully as she could, she worked the shotgun over to point towards the window. As the thing chuffed and snorted at the air, the whispers intensifying, Sandy clamped her eyes shut as she readied herself for what she might need to do, pulling on the anger at the invasion of her home and quiet life for strength. But the thing stopped. She looked. Watched out of the corner of her eyes, it finally righted itself and proceeded to bob and flutter on towards Frank's in the fire there. 
She breathed and took a moment, not quite believing her luck, before lying the shotgun across her lap. She checked over her dash, wrenching the volume knob on her radio all the way down, giving the thing time to make its way as far away as it could before she turned the engine. She thought on how best to proceed. If she floored it, went down the road and hit Frank's place, she would know if there was something to be done or not. The thought of leaving without knowing weighed heavily on her mind. If there wasn't, if Frank and the sheriff or deputy left there were gone, she thought she would power onto the country road and head towards town. Once there, it would be onto the station, where she could get to Linda and the other deputy to get help. She ran cold at the brief thought that this might be in town too, but decided she couldn't work that into her thinking right now. She would handle that when she got there. She wasn't sure, but she thought she had enough gas to make the highway beyond town. She would know after starting the car. If it was that bad and she made it through, well, if it was that bad, she would floor it north or south to one of the larger towns and do whatever needed to be done next. A firm nod and she was as ready as she was going to be. She turned the key and the car growled to life. Nose out, and she edged the vehicle forward through the gate. The pedal went to the floor as she hit the straight dirt track down towards Frank's. Losing traction, the back of the car slapped back and forth in loose dirt until she calmed herself a bit. Her hands and legs were shaking with the knowledge that there was some seriously weird shit out there, and she wasn't protected by the walls of her house anymore. She was past her fence and barreling down the road, though. No sense in worrying until something came at her. No sense in turning back now. Looking up, she could see the greenish cast beyond the clouds, and in it she could make out what looked like massive flocks of birds. Her gut sank as she realized that birds didn't move like that. Looking back down, the burning barn was rapidly growing before her. A total loss, she noted, as flames rose 20 feet or more into the air. The cruiser and its lights were gone, consumed by the blaze. Another few seconds and Sandy could see the things, arms raised over their heads, those that had them, slowly circling the building at varying heights. A sound like rushing water started to push past the noise of her engine. She understood it to be the noises from the tortured and wheezing ruined half-figures. She let off the gas. She could see everything clearly, and other than the rotating horror show, there was no sign of anyone. Not Frank, not the deputy. Fuck. Sandy growled. A few heads were turning her way. Some of the figures floating higher than the others were beginning to descend towards the car. Oh, fuck! She screamed as one of them came down next to the window. Its eyes glowed with an almost sea-foam light, pale, almost calming. She felt compelled, slightly, to keep looking into them. If it wasn't for the torn face and hanging lower jaw she might have... The rapid rush of its mangled voice assaulting her ears as she desperately tried not to hear it. Its head cocked to the side violently, brow mangling to a look of pure hatred. Its hands suddenly slapping at the window so rapidly, Sandy was jarred into stomping on the pedal to try and get away. More joined the first against the roof and hood as the creatures pressed in on her car. The rapid slaps on the thin metal reverberating at a frenetic pace. The shotgun was forgotten. All she wanted was to be away. Back end sliding out as traction was lost on the gravel, sending her into the field for a moment before she could get the vehicle back under control. The hands kept slapping away at the car, but they were falling behind. 
screeching metal as fingernails dug along the trunk and roof. The gloom seemed to be filling with a light very similar to the eyes of the things, and Sandy noted this as she hit the pavement a mile on. Her eyes trying to watch the mirrors, the road, and the glowing clouds all at once. Right hand down and she was sliding onto the two-lane. A few miles ahead, the lights of town made themselves known, as did the fires. Her stomach stayed on the road behind her as she drove on. Whatever was happening was also in town, there would be no help there. She'd need to get through into the highway. Sandy wasn't religious, but she started to pray to whatever might be listening that this wasn't happening everywhere. She flipped on the radio, but there was nothing. No hiss or tone, just nothing but the beeps as she upped the volume. It was no good. She thought about her phone, but was focused on the road. Ahead, she could see the tree line that marked the creek and a boundary between the plains and town, and through it, the fires. She took a chance and rolled down her window slightly, straining to hear anything over her car's engine, but it was no use. Too much noise from the wind and the machine. Sandy slowed as she passed through the trees into town, not sure of what to prepare herself for. The fire she had seen burned in several homes on the side streets. In the front yard of the closest, she could just make out a smoldering figure, curled in on itself, fists held before its face. Behind the arm, she could see flames licking through the cracks in its skull. She stared as she drifted past. Ahead, a car was embedded in the front of the feed store, blood smeared on the back windows. Squares and piles of glass cast a reflection of her headlights back at her. Another had run up the post of the gas station across the way and looked wedged. Engine skyward, hood mangled. Its driver door opened and a pool of dark fluid gathering underneath. Every direction she looked, Sandy could see small dioramas of destruction and madness. And everywhere a fire burned, she could see the silhouettes of the things circling the burning homes. But none seemed interested in her or her car. Another block in the small supermarket lot was full of splotches of liquid. A glow like that of the eyes emanated from inside, and screams. So many screams poured out of the doors. Some desperate, some in pain, and some beyond reason and into the realm of the animal. Sandy bit back a sob as she saw frantic movements inside. Flashes of people being shoved and thrown through the aisles. Blood arcing through the air chasing limbs. She could just make out people being pressed onto a mangled pile of shopping carts. Pressed into the bent tines until they stuck thrashing in agony. She floored it again, and behind her in the mirror the glow intensified, seeping into the parking lot and the street she had just vacated. In the center of town, just another two blocks on from the store was the sheriff's office, and Sandy's heart sank as she realized the doors were wide open and the glow was spilling out onto the short steps. Several loud shots echoed out of the open doors. Then a scream, shrill and panicked, was followed by a last loud shot in silence. Sandy shook. The sheriff's office had been her goal and her hope of safety in town. What she had seen on her way in, the back of her mind told her it had to stop here. She leant on the brakes and placed her head on the steering wheel, looking sidelong out the window and down the street towards more fires, listening to more of the whispers and screams that drifted on the wind to her. The whole town was as good as gone. She looked down at the shotgun still across her lap and chuckled sadly. It was useless. Might as well have been a steel pipe. Slowly, she leaned back, resting her head against the seat. 
With the resignation that came with the realization that everyone here was gone came a deep fatigue. With effort, she pulled her pack from her sweater and lit a smoke, inhaling slowly. Was this it then? Was she going to die at the hands of these things? She wanted to chide herself for the dramatic questions. More than that, she wanted to wake up back at her house, on her couch, having just fallen asleep while reading her book, and have the stubborn rose bushes in her backyard be the only problem or weird thing she would have to deal with. A very heavy, meaty noise came from the steps to the sheriff's office. Sandy stopped mid-drag and looked over. One of the floating things was carrying what remained of Linda through the doors, having hurled the rest of her down the stairs before it. She looked up at the thing's face, but it was obscured behind a curtain of matted and bloody hair, just the glow of the eyes seeping through. She opened her door and clambered out, pulling the shotgun with her. Laying the weapon across the scratched roof of her car, she lined up with the thing's center mass, squeezed the trigger, and made her own thunder. The recoil caught her off guard. The fatigue in her aching knee didn't help, nor did her awkward position out of the door. She fell back to the pavement, winding herself slightly. The shotgun staying on the roof. Through her ringing ears, she could make out a hiss, and the whispers that the thing had yet to issue turned into a gasping laugh. There were two solid thuds, and Linda's face was suddenly looking at her from below the car. Eyes wide. Oddly, one of her eyes seemed to be looking down at the pavement. The other stared at her. Sandy scrambled back and got herself on her feet, trying to find the thing that was surely on its way down to her. But as her head cleared the roof of her car, she saw it splayed against the stone frame of the double doors, its torso ruptured and leaking glowing seafoam fluid down the steps. It was still and silent. Sandy stepped around the car carefully. Seeing Linda's body, in half and about ten feet apart, the hole exiting the top of her head where she had apparently taken her own life was too much. Sandy vomited, sudden and violent. The feeling and need to do so again didn't manifest, which she registered as odd. Her attention turned to her surroundings. For the moment, everything looked clear. High above, she could still see flocks, she guessed, of the things high in the clouds but nothing seemed to be immediately threatening her. Sandy pulled the shotgun from the roof. Bringing it up low, she crept up the steps towards the downed creature, its head tucked at a horrid angle down into its deflating chest cavity. Finger on the trigger, she poked at it with the barrel. A wheeze issued forth, bubbling fluid boiling out of the new holes in its torso and from its mouth. Otherwise, it didn't stir. Dead. She didn't want to spend much time here, but morbid curiosity consumed her, and she poked around its anatomy with the shotgun. Organs, what she took to be organs anyway, lay scattered out before it, hung on the fleshy tubes and wires of veins and viscera. The bottom of the thing's torso or trunk was open, ragged scars and torn flesh marking the point at which it appeared to have been severed from its legs. The flesh about its body hung mostly loose, the muscles underneath blue and gray, pale and lifeless. Other than the strangely colored fluid, there didn't seem to be anything identifiable as blood. Sandy looked through the doors at the wrecked interior of the sheriff's office. The desks were destroyed, slewed about like a pile-up on the highway. Piles of glass here and there marked the end of banker's lamps and office windows. Blood had been sprayed about the back of the room, dripping down from the ceiling in places. 
Sandy guessed it was Linda's. She had no desire to go in further. There was no sign of the last deputy. The room was still. It was time to go. Back in the car, she turned around, a wide and slow circle, pointing the car towards the far side of town, towards the highway, where she would pass a few more small towns on her way to bigger populations down near the Columbia Snake River. Or north, towards the mountain passes. Ahead, she could see the small library, the large willow trees in the parking lot at its front withered and scorched. Once she was past that, she would be free of town proper. Just a few more streets of houses, then a few small orchards, a wheat field, then a whole lot of nothing for miles until the fruit orchards near the smaller towns out east, before the bend south towards the river. Whispers began to come up over the engine noise, intensifying to a sound not unlike leaves being blown about in the breeze, then louder and louder until she had to look down at the dials to see if her car was still running. Glancing at the rear view, she saw the light. She guessed from many of the things, starting to spill onto the street a block down from a side street. She floored it. Not waiting for the first of the creatures to come around the corner and spot her, she crossed through the intersection. Looking over towards the library as she did so, she was taken aback. There, between the wilted willows, sat a tall, black, ovoid stone. Some twenty or more feet tall, sat into the dirt as if it had been pressed there by a huge hand. There were cracks about the surface of the stone, leaking a light more purple in hue than that coming from the creatures. It was wrong, so wrong. The sense of it was a physical force, pushing her away. She shook her head violently, unable to look away from the stone, but knowing that she was drifting closer to the sidewalk. She felt the car bump over the curb, felt it scrape a building, felt the wheel jerk hard away from the wall she had just scraped. She screamed and shook violently, head craned back towards the stone, still unable to break her eyes away from it. Then she was through the intersection, and the last few houses of town broke her line of sight. She was free of it at the same moment the car bumped over the opposite curve. Metal protested as she skimmed a light pole. Her wheels barked and screeched on the pavement. She looked ahead in time to see the trees of the orchard, gray and drooping, dead. To see her speedometer pegged close to 75. She was lucky. Breaking and swerving as best she could, she managed to avoid the first ten or so that loomed up before her in the lights. The eleventh claimed her car, the front solidly striking and wrapping the trunk. She felt herself come free of her seatbelt, felt herself rocket through the front window, felt the explosive impact of striking the ground some fifteen or more feet away. Then she was rolling, vision going black before what seemed to be a giant kicked her in the side and all went black. Something nudged her. The pain was excruciating, blooming out from her side. Her ribs and her leg. She felt whatever had nudged her slide under her back and legs. She screamed as the bones scraped bone. Felt flesh tear in her side and leg. Her eyes opened. Her vision blurry, focus swimming, but she could see a glow. Ghastly and green around where the eyes should be in the silhouette of the figure lifting her. She screamed then, and kept screaming as the figure let out a drawn out Thank you very much for joining me for another episode of Hooks of Horror. I'd like to take a moment to remind you if you'd like to hear your own fiction read. Uh, go ahead and send it in. 
to hooksofhorrorpod at gmail.com. If you've written on any of the topics so far, or themes, the hooks, uh, from any of the previous episodes, I'm open to reading them. It's still my dream to see many submissions and many things tagged with hooks of horror out there in the wild and linked to me on social media and via email, and I'm hoping that one of you out there might be the one to do it. Either way, the new release schedule is every three weeks. I believe I mentioned that in the episode itself, and maybe at the preamble. <clears throat> um, yeah. It's getting to be a little difficult to actually put one of these out every two weeks, so that extra week should maybe, hopefully, if all goes well, see an episode more like this one. Either way, hope you enjoyed it, and see you next time. Yep, see you next time. Audio podcast. Hmm, that works. <laughs>